Medical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, welcome to part two of Skills Our Kids Should Be Learning. When we were last together, you heard this. We can Boys, stop. That was Widget and Sabin. And then we had to take a break. Oh, yeah, that was fun. You know, kids these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I don't the four-legged know. kind and the two-legged kind. Th- those are our semi-co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're aware of them. They, they usually want to come and run the board or rub on the mic. In fact, here they come the now. <laughs> There'll be no fighting tonight, boys. You've heard of a curious cat. We have these two cats, and they're extremely curious, and they get real interested in what we're doing when we sit down to record our podcast. Not unlike a regular two-legged child who, once you get on the phone, suddenly they need your attention. So, same yeah, kind of thing. Th- these, if you're podcasting or you go to the potty, they've got to have your attention. They're just showing out, so... Sorry about that little squeal there earlier. So we took that break, and then when we came back, we had a technical problem, and the technical problem appears to have been me. It looks like that instead of pressing the pause button to continue to record, it looks now like I pressed the menu button, and we didn't record even though we talked through the entire rest of the podcast. Could happen to anybody. So we split it into two, and tonight we're going to finish that second half. And we are glad you are with us. And last night we were in the, the very tail end of kids learning to cook. And tonight we're going to take that even further and go with cooking on an open fire. What you got about that? Well, you know, we were talking about how you want to rehearse your skills. You want to rehearse your prepping skills, hopefully long before you would ever actually need to use them for real. And so you may want to practice, parents, with an open fire setting. Build your own campfire. Build some sort of start a fire and and do it in a safe type of way as you would if you needed to build a fire. And if it's young kids, you can start with roasting marshmallows. Sure. I mean, make it a fun time. And then you can graduate to hot dogs. Sure. And then you can go to cast iron. Right. So you want to build a type of fire that has maybe a grate of some type over it where you can rest a pot. Or build it in such a way, if you've got one of those hanging tripod cast iron type things where you can hook a pot to hang over. There's a variety of different ways that you can create. And you can always let the fire burn down till there's a good bed of coals and put your cast iron directly on that. You could. You could also borrow the grate out of your grill, for Mm -hmm. example, and put that over an open fire and have somewhere. I do recommend you use your cast iron. And with cast iron, it's not necessary to cook at an extremely high temperature because iron is very good at maintaining a good heat level. So your low to medium heats work very well on cooking on an open fire. Do involve your children and help them to learn that they can be of an assistance to you with cooking an open fire. Also, it gives you the opportunity to show them how to be safe with putting the fire out when you're finished. Be a responsible, intelligent, mature person and treat fire with great respect. Absolutely. And the next thing on our list is proper use and care of a knife. And that would include safety and sharpening. And in our safety tips a few episodes back, we talked about cutting away from you. 
And I can remember when I was seven, eight years old, my grandfather letting me whittle with his knife. And he would sit there beside me, and I had to cut completely away from me. The only thing I really could do was sharpen a stick. You yeah, know? I mean, it's just whittling is just cutting a stick. Shave some pieces. We weren't carving. We were mm-hmm. just shaving pieces off of that mm-hmm. and cutting away from us. And so get your kids accustomed to using a knife and to caring for that knife, and not only a pocket knife or a survival-type knife, but knives in the kitchen. We talked about that cooking We need to be taking care of those knives and being safe with them. And I'll throw it in again here. When you put them in the dishwasher, put them point down Mm -hmm. so that you don't stab yourself or somebody else stabs themselves. What else you got? The next thing we want to talk about, and you can make this a fun thing outside, is how to build an impromptu shelter. And it can be nothing more than a string of paracord tied between a couple of close-together trees and throw a tarp over that line, Mm -hmm. and it creates like a little impromptu tent, so to speak. And you can do similar with an emergency blanket. You can even make it smaller. You could even have them make some type of pseudo-sleeping bag out of that emergency blanket Mm -hmm. or a little pup tent. And you could even graduate on to building a type of a debris shelter out in the woods. Well, now, what's exactly a debris shelter? Well, you see those, uh, the best way I can describe it is on Naked and Afraid, and they build a shelter out of materials that are there in the forest. Oh, like branchy, leafy branches exactly. and, and bamboo sticks mm-hmm. and poles. And they're, they're basically kind of just sort of weaving these branches and leaves that, together. And, and here in the south, we don't have a lot of palm where we are. And so you would wind up building it with some type of framework with limbs and then putting pine on top of that or putting and piling leaves on top of that and just putting debris on it to insulate it. I see. There's a lot of things on the Internet about building debris shelters, and you could even go have your kids go and look up some of those. The next thing you want to think about is your get-home bag, and make sure that your older-aged responsible children know how to use the tools that you have packed into your get-home bag, because there may come a time when you're in need of using that bag, but you yourself may be the one needing the help, and you would want your children that are of a responsible age to be able to use the tools that you have in your get-home bag. Mm -hmm. And that would include your compass. A lot of kids today have no idea what a compass is. A lot of adults don't know how to use Mm -hmm. a compass today to navigate through the woods. Teach them to use a compass and a map. That's something that we'll have after a grid-down situation. If we lost all the power in the world, our magnetic compasses would still work, Mm -hmm. and that map would still be somewhat accurate. So teach them how to use that. Again, the safety with the knife what to do with a multi-tool, how to use any of the first aid supplies that you have in your bug out bag, how to use your personal water filter if you carry a life straw, a sawyer, or something like that. Just all of the various items that are in your get home bag, make sure your kids know how to use those. Hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster or another type of emergency, 
This book was written by Mark and Krista Lawley. I'm Krista, and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common-sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown blown off. You find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Krista Lolly, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. All right, and the next topic is going to be sensitive for some, we realize, and with respect, we do want to touch on the subject of introducing children to firearms. There are some right ways to do this, and we realize that a lot of our listeners are either opposed to firearms or they are not opposed to firearms but are not permitted to possess them or carry them. So we know there's a lot of different stances that we have all over the world regarding firearms, but we are very blessed in America to have the freedom and the liberty to be able to own and possess, to legally possess and use firearms at our discretion. And there are a lot of laws and regulations pertaining to those things, and we fully want to advocate for whatever the laws and the regulations are in your area, please abide by them. Even if you don't agree, that is really not the point. You must be a legal person, legal citizen, and abide by the laws. And we do advocate that if you live in an area that you are allowed to own and carry a firearm, that you do carry one. We make no judgments for anyone who doesn't wish to do that. We're with you. We support your decision. But if you are one that is involved with firearms, we also advocate that you introduce your children to those firearms. And the first and greatest priority is safety. Make sure they understand the safety rules of those firearms and go over those every time you start to go to the range with them. And you don't even have to be using real guns to start with. We started our grandsons on firearm safety when they were carrying Nerf guns. Yeah, toys. Just toys. foam rubber Nerf guns. Shoots a foam rubber dart, and I got several in the back at different times with them. But we began to teach them to keep their finger off of the trigger until they were ready to shoot. We taught them not to point that firearm at anything they didn't want to shoot. So we taught them not to sweep each other, accidentally pointing them as they were turning. And then from their Nerf guns, they progressed to air guns, and two of them are now shooting real rifles and shotguns, and so they're very safe with them. But we do realize that is totally age-dependent, but let me say this, and I'll illustrate it with my own daughter. Don't make these firearms totally off-limits to the children. 
Now, before you jump up and down about that, let me explain what I mean. The more we tell a kid they can't do something, what do they want to do? The more they want to do it. They want to do it. You tell them they can't do it, they plan to do it. So what I did, and I was a deputy sheriff when my youngest daughter was growing up, and she was about five years old. I was working evening shift, and she would be there on the bed sometimes when I was getting ready to go to work. And I had told her that she could touch or hold my gun, my duty gun, at any time, but she had to ask first. If she ever touched that gun without permission, she was in a bunch of trouble. So there were a few times that she had asked me to hold it, and I emptied it, I cleared it, I showed her it was clear, made it safe, and then I carefully let her hold that and pointed at the wall, and we went over not even pointing it at the pictures of the people on the wall. So we're pointing it at nothing but the wall. And then one day she was sitting there and she said, Daddy, can I touch your gun? And I said, do you want to touch it or hold it? And she said, just touch it. So I told her that was okay, and she put her little finger over there, and she touched the grip, and she pulled her finger back, and she was all happy. But that was not something that was totally off-limits to her to make her want to go and investigate on her own when nobody was there. So that was the idea behind that. And our kids have raised our grandkids pretty much the same way. Now, if we're dealing with firearms, they need to be learning to clean those firearms. They go out to a day on the range or day hunting, target shooting, whatever. They need to learn how to properly care for that firearm by cleaning it afterwards. And I would advocate teaching them to do it and then watching them do it. There's a lot of legitimate uses for firearms, and one of those is target shooting. And just to be downright honest about it, It's fun. It is fun. There are days that we'll pack up several firearms and we'll go to the range and, I don't know, we'll go out there and it probably costs us more than we should have spent in ammunition with the way the ammunition is right now. Well, come to think of it, we haven't done that lately. No, we haven't. But, you know, sometimes it's the, you know, the price of a nice dinner out in a movie. It's a date night at the range, basically. It's a date. (laughs) Now, if you're going to teach your kids to shoot, one of the things that we advocate is using an unscoped 22 rifle. Has no recoil to speak of, and they can enjoy it. It is something that they can learn to use the open sights. And if they're shooting at a relatively close distance, and I'm talking here 10 yards or so, 7 to 10 yards, they can see where they're hitting on the target. And it's just a way to improve their shooting skills if you do it with an unscoped twenty two caliber rather than starting with a scope. We also recommend that you use some sort of ear protection, particularly for your young ones when they're first starting out, because firearms are loud. And they're even loud in, in for an adult. So hearing protection is a very good idea as well. Don't forget that's part of your safety routine. And it's not just adults. The Studies show that the crack of a twenty two rifle does as much damage as the big boom of some of the other calibers. Exactly. So ear protection is very important. We didn't know that when we were growing up, and we did a lot of shooting without, and, and most of it with twenty twos. And 
I have that ringing in my ears right now that I've had since 1998, I think. Mm. It's just been a constant ringing. I attribute it to that. Now, I don't know if it is for sure, but do wear that ear protection and that eye protection every time you're on the range. Now, one of the things that you can teach your kids, and if you know how to do this or find someone to help get them involved, if it's something that would interest your kids, would be hunting. And one of the things that we did growing up was hunting and have a lot of fond memories, and we learned a lot of responsibility with that. And one of the things that we find today, kids that grow up hunting, we have less problems with those kids when they get to be later teens. Well, they learn the discipline. They learn the respect for the firearm as a tool, as a positive tool to put food on the table when they're hunting. They also learn what I call the the rules of the woods, too. Mm-hmm. There's a certain healthy respect for nature when you're out in it and when you are depending on it for your hunting success. Just make some better environmentalists all the way around. And one of the environmental rules there, hunter's rule, uh, we don't go out just shooting to shoot animals indiscriminately. And the idea is that we either eat it or we already have someone who wants it. If you're a hunter and you don't like what you're hunting, but you love to hunt it, then there'll be a non-hunter or some older folks who grew up on that. But do not waste that meat. My first wife's grandmother was in her 80s and she loved squirrel. Now, this lady was born in the late 1800s and she loved squirrel. Obviously, she couldn't go out and hunt it. And I would go out and I would shoot her a squirrel from time to time, take it in, clean it, and my mother-in-law would cook it for her and she was just as happy as she could be. She'd tell everybody that she'd been able to have some squirrel. Another thing that kids will learn is woodsmanship. How do you walk quietly in the woods? You know, this is something that's good for hunting, but it's also good if we're trying to move undetected. If we had an SHTF situation, we may be in a position where we need to move undetected from one point to another. And that's not something that you learn the first time that you do that. You also learn some tactics. How do you sneak up on a deer? It's not easy. How do you get in a better position? How do you move undetected? And then if you have a successful hunt, you're going to need to learn skinning. And that's a good thing for kids to be learning today. I learned it at about 17 years old, was how to skin a deer. And it's really not that bad, and it's really not that hard. If you have somebody show you how to do it once, now, it's not that clean either. But I can uh, imagine. I don't see you doing it. I'd rather not, I'll be honest. I'm much better on the other end of it, the uh, the the prep and cooking and the eating part, not so much about the field dressing or the skinning part. Okay. Well, if it gets down to it, we'll just cut a deal and I'll do the first half. You do the second half. All and right. We'll both eat. Now, there's a lot of things that they can hunt. Squirrels, rabbits, deer, elk, moose, caribou, doves, quail, ducks, pheasant, monkeys. <laughs> well, not here in Alabama. <laughs> Better not be. Hippopotami. <laughs> well, you know, and of course, we also want to make sure that people understand we're not saying that you have the right, if you want to go and hunt, you can't just go out and just hunt any old animal you want to. Depending on where you live, there are animals that are protected. 
there are animals that are endangered. And so you've just got to be very educated on what's appropriate for your area. We want to be very responsible hunters. Yeah, we're not hunting spotted owl here in Condor, but mm-hmm. we're, we want to hunt the legal things during the season that it's allowed to hunt. We With want, the license. We want to have mm-hmm. that hunting license. And uh, in Alabama, uh, you're required to wear hunter orange if you're in the woods during deer season. And that helps you be seen and not shot because somebody shoots at noise every year somewhere and Mm. seems like a hunter gets killed because they don't really observe the safety rules. Uh But here's some of the things that kids can learn while they are hunting. One of those is patience. If you're sitting waiting for a deer to come by, if you're sitting and waiting for a squirrel to come out, or a rabbit or a, a fox. rabbit or anything like that. And you also learn to stalk. How do you ease through the woods? You do it very slowly and very quietly. And you can slip up to where you can get in sight of some of these animals to be able to hunt. It will also help you to learn to read the trails in the woods. What trails are the game using? Where are they going? How are they traveling? What Where? kind of tracks are you seeing? Right. That can identify. Exactly. It's a very, you know, it's a very different track that a deer makes than, say, a bear. So that's something to be aware of. I've seen a bear track, but not in the woods. <laughs> of all places, I saw it in the front yard in our house east of Birmingham. We had a bear ranged across there, and he put a big track in a piece of fresh dirt. Mm-hmm. So definite bear track. Right. And it was no doubt about that. But you learn to read those trails. You learn where they're bedding down. You learn where they're feeding, where they're watering. And that helps you better be able to take game if you are hunting or if we are in a SHTF situation where we're needing to feed the family. We talked about that skinning. We're talking about field dressing. And then after that, the butchering to be able to make it table ready. Those are just some of the things that we think that you could teach or learn as far as hunting. Now, here's one that's a lot of fun as well, and it helps you learn patience, and that's fishing. Good old fishing. It's a lot of fun to do. I was actually taken on a fishing trip by my mom and dad, who also brought along my best friend. And when I was turning 10 years old, they took us on a fishing trip. That was my birthday party. And I will tell you, I had more fun than I had ever had and probably since. It was really, really a great afternoon. We had a ball. So fishing is something anyone of any age can enjoy. But it's like Mark said, sometimes it does take patience because you may fish all day long and not catch one. Been there, done that. You may fish for 30 minutes and catch a boatload. Been there, done that. You just got to be aware that it's not a guarantee one way or the other. You're not Mm -hmm. always going to have success and you're not always going to be failing at it. But patience and perseverance, those two things kind of go together when it comes to fishing. And if you just didn't catch one, well, just keep casting. Keep casting. Keep at it. And that's the thing. You're always expecting it on this next cast. And and that could be that very last cast is the one that worked. You know, they have college scholarships for fishing now and you know, high I, school fishing I learned, teams. I learned that ever since I moved back to Alabama. I didn't realize that until the son of a friend of mine, a co-working friend of mine, had a son that was a member of a high school fishing team. And he participated in tournaments and absolutely loved it. And then because of his award-winning tournament participation... He was granted a wonderful scholarship and actually went to school and became a medical assistant. 
So that was pretty good, just because of throwing a line into the water. Well, a police officer friend of mine, and you know him, his high school daughter is on a fishing team. And he has a very nice boat that he bought for her. And every Saturday during quote-unquote fishing season, especially coming up to a tournament, they go and they practice, and then she participates in these tournaments. My son-in-law's first cousin was on a high school fishing team, went to college on a fishing scholarship, and now he is fishing the pro circuit and has fished in things like the Bass Masters and things like that. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the... Corner of the Super Bowl of fishing tournaments, really. But he is a full-time professional fisherman that started in a high school fishing club. Now, after you catch them, you get to clean them. Yeah, another skill that needs to be learned and can be taught to very capable, very intelligent kids. Oh, yeah. We were cleaning fish at a fairly young age. I mean, you caught it, clean it. Then, after you get it clean, comes the cooking, and then comes the good part. The eating. The eating. <laughs> All right. Well, we wanted to finish up tonight, and we apologize for the cat fight that occurred. You heard what that sound like, and we dealt with them, and then I pushed the wrong button. So we had to make this into two parts and come back tonight. There are a lot of other skills that we need to be teaching our kids, and these are a very good start. A lot of these are a way for them to have fun and be learning some prepping skills at the same time. Anything else you want to add tonight? I think it's terrific, parents. I just commend you for doing the good job you're doing with your kids because you've got the job of hurling a good human out amongst the world. So do your best. And we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that will help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode, and share it with your friends and family. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.